We have a roadmap out of lockdown. Nat, first thoughts on that? Um, well, it's it's good to have a bit of a timetable for things. Um, I mean, obviously, as I said, like in last episode, nothing is guaranteed. Like we we might well have to push things back further than that, and depending on how the situation plays out. But it is nice to think that we'll be able to see people and get out a bit more in the coming weeks. I'm slightly skeptical, but are you? Why is that? I sort of feel it's going to be too quick. I might be wrong. I don't know. Mm. But so far on Open Agenda podcast, we've had Paul, we've had Lou, and we have a third guest today, or this evening actually, recording at six o'clock in the evening this time. I don't think we've done that before now, have we? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, no, I don't think we have. have. Um, but we're delighted to be joined by... Izzy Jani friend. Hello, Izzy. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. First of all, Izzy, before we get into the main bulk of the um, episode, just introduce who you are, because like myself and Nat, we're both aspiring journalists, and we're all interested in journalism, so just introduce yourself, and also why you're into journalism as well. Okay, sweet. So I am a freelance journalist and a campaigner, um, and I've been doing that for about a year and a half since I finished uni. And I got into it because it was really important for me to raise awareness about disability discrimination. And I started writing a blog about living with cystic fibrosis, and then I wrote a lot about my own experiences and then through that I realised that I really love writing and I love um, giving people a voice and I especially am interested in like policy and investigating how um, like the inequalities in health policy and things like that so yeah that's kind of how it developed. Well we're delighted you're joining us for this episode so this is episode six and let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Open Agenda podcast with me, Nat Schaefer, and my co-host, Will Luca. We're both journalism graduates from the University of Gloucestershire, deciding to come together and start a podcast. We aim to be conversational and topical, discussing the subjects we take a great interest in. Current affairs and politics, the media, and conversations about everyday life. We hope you enjoy the episodes we release. So first of all, Izzy, and also Nat. You have some questions as well, which are important. My first question to you is, what what inspired you to go into journalism? Um, I don't know. I sort of fell into it, to be honest. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I really liked writing and helping people at the time. That was my main interest, was just being able to offer advice to other people living with cystic fibrosis, which is the disability that I have, and just being part of that community really and then when I went to uni I really loved doing the like student paper and then also like um hosting um the breakfast radio show once a week that that was really cool and I think then I realized that actually I really just enjoy writing about anything and especially especially when it can elevate voices that you that people we don't often get to hear I think that's so important um, and that's what really inspired me, to be honest. Um, so, 
Izzy, um, cystic fibrosis is something which I'm still not sure that there's a lot of sort of public awareness about. So um, would you be happy to sort of run through briefly sort of what it is and how it impacts your life? Yeah, sure. So um, cystic fibrosis is a chronic and genetic uh, disability that causes passageways in my lungs and digestive system to become blocked with thick, sticky mucus, which will eventually lead to fatal organ damage. Um, and I was diagnosed when I was six years old. Um, so it's really all I've ever known. Um, I also linked to my CF. I also have osteoporosis and pancreatitis. Um, and have to do about four hours of medication every day and um, regular hospital admissions when I get a lung infection. So, yeah. In, in, in what ways has it impacted your career as a journalist? I think that it's helped me to be compassionate in my writing. I think that it's also helped me to kind of realise what's important and what needs to be spoken about. Um, yeah, and it has really directed the kind of path I've gone down, especially at the start when I was writing about the discrimination that I faced and most recently looking at, like, workplace discrimination. Um, and, and I think that having a disability, obviously, it limits, like, the amount of time I can spend doing things. Um, but I'm really driven and really passionate about getting change and ev that's I guess through my campaigning side of things but even through journalism and writing I just think it's a really positive thing and it's also because I can do it from home it really fits around my medicine routine and it lets me kind of do what I want to do in terms of work but also keep myself as healthy as I possibly can. Well, I have to say, Izzy, from the, the pieces that you've written, just it was just the other week, wasn't it? Um, the Huffington Post, The Guardian, The Independent. You've you've written very well, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Agreed. Thank you. And I think the thing that I... When I read your Huffington Post piece, life expectancy, 44 years, I honestly can't... I can't. I, it's just it's hard to. It's it's hard to understand, but I know that it's it must. What does that feel like? It must. It obviously can't feel good, but obviously now with coronavirus and lockdowns, do you feel limited, or do you feel like you've got to think about your life further and make the most of it? Um, that's such a complex question, to be honest, because it's all I've known and life expectancy is something that I've known since I started really learning about CF. Um, and so it's not... Because I've lived with that in my mind for as long as I can remember, it's not something I ne necessarily, like, dwell on too much. I think yeah. that... The point I wanted to make in that piece was that I'd always had this idea that being 21 was going to be like amazing and it was going to be a really good year and like my health wasn't at its best because I did struggle at uni with it but it was at a point where I thought this could be 
one of the most healthy points in my life that I get now I could like if I start deteriorating as I get older so I really wanted it to be a good year and then it really wasn't and then the pandemic happened as well as that and I think I just realized that I can't get annoyed about it because I'm wasting more time getting annoyed and I think that it also just put things into perspective because now my priorities have changed in terms of like what matters to me so like my family obviously is the most important thing to me and I just think that now I just want to you know when we can I want to spend as much time with them as I can and I don't necessarily care about the things that I wanted to do initially if that makes sense like I I obviously would love to be able to travel again but it's not like a priority I'm not so fussed about going to like concerts or anything like that at the moment I mean obviously I know that we can't but when we can again it's just not priority and I think I just have realized that it's the little things that matter and in terms of living with with a reduced life expectancy the thing is like none of us know really anything like that and so although it I might know a bit more than other people I think that it's not something I really think negatively towards just because it's out of my control and like yeah that's all I really have to say about it to be honest and you've been shielding for a year. And I think I think you'll agree with me, Nat. You are a hero of this lockdown. Of the whole pandemic. I mean, I, I have a, a family member who has arthritis. So I will admit we have been out of the house. It was last summer when the first lockdown was eased. But there's still that worry, isn't there, Izzy? There's still that worry with someone that you love that they are vulnerable and you don't want them to catch COVID. Yeah, it's really difficult. And especially with things looking like they're going to start easing again, it's like nerve-wracking because not everyone will have had a vaccine. And I really just want this to be like the last lockdown we have and I want it to just ease properly so that we don't have to come back into this situation. I think we all agree there. (laughs) Yeah, and I just think it's like, in a way, maybe it's being too rushed, like it makes me a bit anxious. Um, Yeah, and obviously I I know I'm vulnerable, but I also don't want to give it to like my family or anyone, so. Well, I tweeted the other day that the new lockdown or easing of lockdown roadmap that just because you're skeptical like I am slightly I wouldn't say I'm fully skeptical slightly skeptical that just because I am skeptical doesn't mean that I'm pro lockdown and I'm sure Nat that you would feel the same even if you had no disability yeah I mean I, I haven't enjoyed being in lockdown particularly, but I recognise that we've had to be in lockdown. But like, I'm 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 with you, Izzy. I don't want to have to go through this again later in the year if we can help it. Yeah, and I mean, for me personally, it was very much a choice that I made when I went in to this lockdown in March of last year. Well, not a choice, but for, sort of a forced choice that I was like, I will stay in this situation until I get a vaccine or until the cases are so low, like, gone. And that's kind of my mindset. So I sort of got into that headspace a year ago and I knew it was going to take a long time. And so I knew, okay, I'm going to be probably 
in lockdown this whole year now and I obviously was and I think that as frustrating as it is the situation the, like the most important thing is that we you know get people vaccinated that need it but also help you know not, we don't want to spread it we don't want people to get ill we don't want people to die and like it's really quite scary still and I think that that's something that I felt a bit like frustrated about maybe because I just think that it's still really dangerous and yeah the vaccine is being given out but people need to have two vaccines and most people have just had one and a lot of people haven't had any and I think I'm completely not a fan of lockdown I don't like it I don't want to be away from people I love I don't want to be inside all the time but I don't want to get COVID and I don't want to give it to someone. So I'd rather stay like this until I personally feel safe enough to leave. Was it hard to make that decision and then to stick to it for the whole year? Yes and no. So no, because the nature of my illness means I've always been very aware of germs and bugs around, even the most minor cold that someone has, I'm try and stay away from them because if I get a cold I always end up in hospital so I'm quite used to being quite careful hygienic you know being really aware of things so when I knew you know when I first heard about Covid I was very very aware that I as the cases started to rise that I was going to have to stay inside I didn't really anticipate how long it would be maybe that was a bit naive but I just thought I need to stay inside until I know what is happening and I think it was harder at first I think I've got gotten used to it as time has gone on but you in your independent piece you said shielding isn't a choice and you also said that the government need to recognize the needs for disabilities after this pandemic has ended hopefully in the near future what would you like to see change Izzy? What I would want to see change is that society can be more accessible and accommodating for um, disabled people but even during the pandemic when you would think that our needs would be met they haven't been so it leaves me quite skeptical for what will happen afterwards. Um, things like working from home has opened up so many opportunities for disabled people. Um, I've been able to do stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had to go into an office. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I hope that it will continue, but I know that places are really keen as soon as possible to have everyone back in the office when they can. And I just hope that they don't force that upon people who could actually be more productive if they stayed at home. Um, I just think also just being a bit more aware that other people are going through different experiences. I think that's so important when, like, this is over. Because a lot of discourse at the moment, I think, especially in this lockdown, it's been suggested, oh, why can't the elderly and vulnerable just stay inside and everyone else can live their lives? So I already, you know, see a lot of conversations saying that my life isn't as valuable as everybody else, which... Which is utterly selfish... It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to hear, but it's not a new thing that I've heard. It's just yeah. more. I'm just hearing it a lot more. Um, and I just hope... It's difficult because I hoped attitudes like that would have changed in the pandemic. But in a way, 
they did at the start, but they've got worse at the end. Well, I don't know if we're at the end. They've got worse now. And, yeah, that's made things tricky, to be honest. So I I feel a bit sceptical for what will happen afterwards. You feel it, You feel you've been ignored? Yeah, I think so, because the first lockdown shielding was, like, you had to you have to shield like legal requirement like legal that's the wrong word you had to it was like the law you have to shield if you're vulnerable whatever for 12 weeks however long they said and then the second lockdown which was just before christmas they just advised it and then this one's the same and although they've added lots of people to the list i think it's still just advised which in my mind sort of implies well does that mean because you've done that because the government have done that, does that mean that they don't have to help us like they did in the first one? Because they've not, you know, said you have to. So they aren't providing food packages like they were in the first lockdown. They're not um, giving the same services to go and collect medication for people. They're not phoning in and checking up on people. It's like, and I'm in a fortunate position. I'm living with my dad and my boyfriend who've both effectively been shielding to keep me safe. So they can wash the shopping that comes into the house and sort everything out and we have deliveries but I know that some people won't be able some people won't have that and they're being left and neglected I'm glad I'm not the only one who washes my shopping when it comes in actually (laughs) every time I really I'm glad I'm not the only one so thank you Izzy for that (laughs) Um, now I'm sure that you'd feel the same that Working from home, if you have a disability and if you don't have a disability, it's been weird. Yeah, I I suppose it has, because, like, I was finishing my degree during the first lockdown, and so there were things that I'd wanted to do for coursework that I couldn't, but by and large, I was able to do it from home. Um, But I know some people have found it harder because their, their job or whatever involves going out more. Izzy, I had someone I follow on Twitter, she wrote an article, I think it was last November 2020. She wrote it in the, I think it was the Metro, saying that attitudes towards working from home have got to change, whether it is actually a new normal. Now, the Public Service Union, Unison, back in August last year, they suggested that we give disabled people the right to work from home after COVID-19. They actually did a survey. 73% of disabled staff felt more productive at home. 54% said they would benefit. And one correspondent says that they have hearing loss in both ears and the quiet of the home enables them to hear and think more clearly. So working from home, Izzy, has to be a new normal, particularly for people like you. I, I would guess yeah I mean it's opened up so many opportunities to to me and I think it should be an option because if I had to commute every day a few hours on top of a four-hour medical routine I would I would get ill from the strain I was putting on my body and then I would have to take so much more time off work and I would be less productive I'd be tired all day I wouldn't be taking care of myself I'd probably get unwell because when you're around people the chances of picking a bug up is is higher especially you know if you're getting public transport or you're in an office you can't 
you know, you can't clean everything you touch. Like, it's not, it's not, you know, germ-free. And I think that for me, to be able to be at home, it means I'm getting the rest that I need, I'm getting the medical, like, I'm looking after myself how I need, and I just can't imagine it being taken away now. Like, it would be so difficult. I don't know how I would manage. Um, so, Izzy, your your illness is perhaps not immediately visible to people. So, um, would you like to talk a bit about about that? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my my disability is invisible, so you couldn't tell that I have anything anything wrong with me. I mean, that's not the best phrase to use, but you can't you can't tell that I'm unwell. Um, and yeah I've experienced a lot of discrimination for it um if I ever need to use disabled spaces like um priority seating or disabled toilets people will um yell abuse at me um give me horrible looks they will tell me that I shouldn't be using them or that I need to move um and a lot of the time people don't believe me because I think they think I'm too young to be disabled they have this idea that either you need that there needs to be something that they can see that's wrong with me, or I'd be like older than I am. I don't I don't even really understand, but that is just what I've experienced. I mean, people have looked me up and down and laughed when I've said that I have a disability, um, and it's hard really because when you're feeling vulnerable, especially when you're needing to, for example, use priority seating on a train, you don't really want to have to defend yourself and get into a conversation with somebody because the likelihood is you're in pain or you're not feeling great. Um, so the last thing on your mind is to then stand up to, for yourself. So often in the past, I have moved. I have kind of got scared and not said anything. And I mean, I'm definitely a lot more confident now and I, I'm sure I would say something in that situation now, but it is scary. And I, I think that there shouldn't be people that are policing disabled spaces because at the end of the day, it's more likely that people are going to be using them that need them than people who are just using them wrongly. Like, I've never seen someone use a disabled space wrongly. So I, I don't know why people have this idea about it. It sounds really hard, and I do feel for you. I just wanted to ask, is it, are um, blue badges given to, to those with hidden disabilities like yourself? Yeah, they are. So they've been extended, although I know the application process, there's been some problems, especially especially recently um, with people getting refused them. But I am eligible um, and I haven't, I haven't got one yet just because, well, by the time I realised that I should get one, we kind of hit the pandemic and I haven't really gone anywhere to need one. So I just haven't applied yet, but I am ed- eligible. But I've seen a lot of my friends with CF who've had them um, they've been left notes on their cars saying that they shouldn't have parked there. They've been yelled at and it's just, it's quite scary to think that just for parking somewhere, somebody could be so, like, horrible, to be honest. When you're, when you're talking about disability as invisible, I can remember, it's, it's not so much connected to disability, but I can remember a programme last year, it was on BBC One, it was about the police dealing with people who suffer from dementia. And I can remember there was 
one scene which really it moved me to tears actually and I think to myself that next time I see someone who's struggling getting on a bus for example or struggling in the street I don't think I'd ever s ignore them because I have I will admit there are times when I've seen possibly someone struggling in the streets maybe who have who has dementia possibly and I haven't given them any notice so I will admit that I probably will change as a person after all this. I think that that it's a hard one really I think that you have to be careful with that because sometimes yeah you don't want to give help to someone that doesn't necessarily want it if you know what I mean you have to be careful that you're not like imposing on somebody that you yes. know you because it can like appear maybe someone's struggling but that could just be hmm. for them they're normal like I think that's just something you have to be quite careful with because sometimes it can come across as if we need it, I don't know how to explain it necessarily but I think that if 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 I was to ask somebody for help I'd really hope they would help me um but yeah I just think you have to be a little bit careful with that but obviously being like compassionate towards people and being understanding and not calling them out for using things that they need to use that's so important yeah hmm. although I actually I will well, I'll, I'll rephrase that actually it's important to speak about it and give it publicity that's what I would say the more we speak the more we speak about people like yourself is he who suffer from disabilities who suffer from all kinds of horrible things the more we give voice to people like you the more it breaks down the stigma that's how that's I'm sure you would agree with that yeah, we definitely need more, like, conversations, more representation, more education. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially about um, mental health. I'm really a big advocate for that. I suffer with a few mental health problems that are probably connected to having uh, CF. And I am more apprehensive to talk about them than I am my physical health because of the stigma about mental health. So I think that all conversations that raise awareness are positive uh, just quickly and i'll bring you in that in a sec um, we'll, we'll focus a bit more on journalism after in a sec but working from home would you like to see i know i would certainly think that it has to be discussed because those who can't work from home who say have to work in a factory for example statutory sick pay we have to see it in the budget next week, surely. Yeah, I mean, they need to have better measures in place for people's safety in the workplace when we, whenever people return and people that are working now, I mean, it's not safe for some people to be at work and they're not being given the support they need to stay at home. And I think that not everyone will be able to work from home and the people that can't need better help, need better care, need safer work environments. There needs to be people that they can go to because a lot of the time they have to just stay silent and it's not okay. And yeah, I think there needs to be better financial support for them. And you've had the vaccine? I've had, yeah, I've had the first one. Was it okay? Yeah, it was good. I'm glad I had it. It was very exciting. Excellent. Excellent. Which one did you have? I had the AstraZeneca one. Excellent. We have, we've had. Some, I have to say the vaccine rollout is 
been utterly fantastic. I think you have to you have to say that. But now, journalism is our strength, and we don't. Do, whilst your disability is important, Izzy, let's focus on some some positivity. Let's have some good uh, positive vibes. Now, journalism. We've discussed it so many times. It's a great industry to go into. I'm sure you. I'm sure we we can ask Izzy some questions about journalism as well. <laughs> and so, um, Izzy, you, you've um, been published in quite a lot of like high-end publications. So, the Metro, the Independent. I think you're in the Guardian too. Yeah. So, what's been your experience of writing for those sorts of um, outlets? It's important for me the pieces that I've written for The Guardian and Independent, it's important for me to get them on a platform that a lot of people will see because they're really important pieces that can't just go ignored. And also the topics I'm talking about don't often get enough attention in the media. So I think that it was really exciting for them to be published in Nationals, but also very important that they they were. One, one question, Izzy. I sometimes feel I'm not good enough to go into the industry. I think there are sometimes where I don't have a lot of confidence. What would um, what would your advice be for people who are probably not confident in their writing? Not so because I sometimes feel I'm not confident in what I write as well. Sometimes I think that everybody gets like imposter syndrome and thinks that they're not good enough at times. But I think that if you're writing, no matter where it's being published, it's impressive and if you're in getting what you want out of it then that's enough and obviously you know writing skills will like develop with time if you're reading loads if you're like writing even just like writing loads of blog posts on a personal blog anything that's like going to improve your writing and I think just having it's hard to find self-confidence I think but you have to just know like I deserve to be here I I am good I know I'm good I wouldn't have got if say if you get a commission you wouldn't have got the commission if you weren't good you wouldn't have got onto a course if you weren't good you have to remember that you know you've got if you're in those places then you definitely deserve to be there um so is there anywhere that you haven't written for yet but would like to <laughs> um I, I really want to write for Vogue <laughs> Vogue <laughs> yeah okay. such a dream what, what do you like about them? Oh, I just, you know, it's just... She's, like, iconic, I don't know. It's just, like, a, a big publication, and I just... It would just be really cool, but I don't know what I'd pitch to them, so, you know, I'm going to take my time <laughs> with thinking about it. Would it be CF-related or, um, or not? No. No, definitely not. I don't know. I really don't know what it would be, but it would... I think something different, you know? Something that maybe I've not written about before but I really <laughs> I'm really not sure I have I think I need like a bit more time before I start thinking about pitching to them <laughs> well diverse diversity in the media is important and I'm sure that you will agree with me Nat that Izzy is a welcome addition to journalism absolutely because diversity that's what we need diversity of pe people with disability different skin colour we need to diversify it's important and I think Izzy you're doing a, a really you're doing some really good things it's fantastic to read 
and I'm sure we, we will continue to read your, your writing. And finally, just a few, hum a bit of humour, Gogglebox is returning to our screens tomorrow night on Channel 4. <laughs> Are we fans of Gogglebox? Yeah, I like it. I, I, I used to watch it loads, but I really haven't watched it recently, to be honest. But it is good. It's funny. I can't say that I've watched lots of it, but I've, I've heard good things about it, so I might have to check it out this time around. It's quite easy to watch. It's just, like, very, very nice. Friday night, Gogglebox in the last leg on Channel 4. Can't, doesn't doesn't get any better, really. I can't lie, right. I don't really watch live TV, so I miss, oh, no, I no, miss most fine. things. I just watch, like, Netflix, to be honest. Nothing wrong with Netflix. No, I know people are talking about Bridgerton. I know people are talking about... Um, what's the other programme on Netflix? I can't remember what it is now. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, Netflix... <laughs> Yeah, Bridgerton is being That's the big one, isn't it, Bridgerton? Uh, on the Dig, that's it. That's the one I remember. Oh, really? I've heard that one. Out with Ralph... No, not Ralph Fiennes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ray Fiennes, yeah, sorry. And Carrie Mulligan. Um, that's supposed to be big at the moment. And finally, when we come out of all this, hopefully soon, what's the first thing you're going to do? Hug my nan. That's it, that's all I want to do. I miss her so much, and I just want to lay in bed and watch TV with her for ages, <laughs> for weeks. And Nat, what will you do? Um, Get together with my mates and go to the pub. Brilliant. I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> go on your bike. Yeah, 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 that's why I probably will tomorrow, actually. <laughs> But we hope that the end is in sight. It It is going to take time. Obviously, I haven't had a vaccine yet. It's going to take time for me to have the vaccine. But as soon as mm, it's... Neither obvious, have I. Of course, no, you haven't had the vaccine either. But as soon as we get the opportunity, we will, we will take it. And we hope that we are in better times at the end of this year and going into next year. And then... That's the thing I really want to see. I want to see more. I, I'm sure you both agree with me. We want to see more action to prevent pandemics again. Yep. Ever again. Because I certainly don't want to live through this again. It's been dreadful. So how we prevent pan, future pandemics from happening again. That's the, that's the action that we really need to see after all this. And how the world will change to prevent it from happening again. Yes. Agreed. So this is episode six of open agenda pod thank you nat for another episode and thank you izzy for taking part thanks for having me and thank you izzy thank you where can people find you izzy online um my twitter is i johnny friends and my instagram is isabel johnny friend and we'll put po we'll post we'll post um links on our podcast provider so mainly spotify so thank you izzy for taking part and if we off if we offer you the chance to come on again, would you would you take that up? Yeah, sure. But you've been a fantastic guest. Keep up with the writing. Thanks. We're all behind Thank you. Thank you for having me. And journalism is just brilliant. Let's just let's end it there, shall we? For thanking that for take thanking up for another episode. We're taking a break, of course, after every every three episodes. Taking a break. So we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. 
we will be. So thank you, Izzy. Thank you. Thanks, Izzy. And that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from my guests as well. Bye. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Agenda. We hope it has been engaging and enlightening. To keep up with our activities, you can follow us on Twitter at Open Agenda Pod. You can also follow us individually. I'm at W underscore Luca and Nat is at Nat J-S-C-H underscore. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.